Hi again, it's Leia Green here. A few weeks ago, we shared the first episode of new series Innermost, a podcast about strangers and their secret lives. We've just finished our first season, and I wanted to bring you our sixth and final episode. If you like what you hear, there's another five to binge on, from affairs to parenting, from battling heroin addiction to battling your next door neighbours. It's all in there. Just search Innermost wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you enjoy. Innermost is supported by Vodafone. Whether it's friends, family, or, in our case, complete strangers, keeping connected has never been so important. Which is where Vodafone's unlimited data plans come in. To find out more, head over to vodafone.co.uk. And welcome back to Innermost, a podcast about strangers and their secret lives. I'm Leia Green, and this is episode six. People look at me and they just like it's a secret because they I look like a very normal person, like they wouldn't think I'd ever been in prison. It's really scary how 24 hours can completely turn your whole life upside down. It's been... Yeah, it's been awful, actually. This week is our last episode of the season. I'm hearing from two women whose relationships turned upside down and left them in a place they never thought they would be. That's after this very short break. Imagine how hard lockdown would have been without tech. Video calls kept you connected. Online grocery deliveries kept you fed and your smartphone kept you sane, even if that did largely involve sharing cat gifts with friends. But not everyone has a digital device during lockdown. According to Bernardo's, 300,000 young people and children are affected by digital poverty, harming their ability to keep connected or get the right educational resources. You can help by donating unwanted smartphones or tablets to Vodafone's Great British Tech Appeal to support Bernardo's, British Red Cross and Safe Lives. And it won't cost you a penny. Your device will be data wiped and packaged with three months of free unlimited connectivity. So, not only can young people access crucial online resources for surviving lockdown, they too can share cat gifts. To donate, visit vodafone.co.uk slash techappeal. This first caller got in touch to tell me about a period when her life seemed to run away from her. I've left out her name so she can remain anonymous. Do you remember what you felt when you walked in the first time? Yeah, I, I felt, like, scared. I mean, obviously it was not a rational choice, but I was, in a, I was like, in a manic, irrational state. You heard, you've heard of seeing double. I was seeing quadruple. So I went in with the gun, but I didn't have bullets in it, and I, it was, like, in my waistband. Mm. And I just gave them a note. The note said, I have a gun, give me money. This is a robbery, give me money. And I thought they would arrest me, and they didn't. Like, I didn't stop. I just walked in, walked out. I drove my car up. Like, 
how many times did you do this before? Four times, I think, or three times. Either three or four banks. I'm not sure. I'd have to look back at my paperwork. I just was like thinking they're gonna, someone's gonna shoot, like a policeman's gonna shoot me, or they're gonna arrest me and they'll take me away from him and then I'll be safe. I'll be away from him. Can you tell me as much as you, as much as you want to, how his behaviour began to change towards you? Like when did you start to notice that he was not who you maybe thought? He he just started out like he was really engaged with me and like loved to do things with my daughter and I and I was really excited and he paid me attention and we'd go out to dinner and it was just so lovely and he was really lovely mm. and then it just sort of sort of deteriorated where he started controlling me he started like any friend I had there was a problem with them and then he didn't want me to see them and I didn't know anybody so I was very isolated. And then he sort of isolated me further. Then he started like sort of smash things next to my face or he would like punch walls and break mirrors when he was angry. Yeah. Did you begin to feel trapped? Yeah, I felt very trapped because I got a job with the bank, but my pay was cut like by two thirds. So now I'm dependent on him to pay my mortgage. To tell you the truth, before this happened to me, I felt that abused women were weak in some way because they didn't just leave. I did not understand it. I had sympathy for them. I would try to help them when I could, but I would see them like go right back to the guy, you know? And, you know, you lose sympathy, but this wasn't me. Like I hadn't been in an abusive relationship before. And what do you think that you then learnt or started to understand about people who experienced this that you maybe didn't appreciate before? There's a thing called a trauma bond. And you you want to believe that they love you. You see that they love you. Like he did things that I saw that he loved me. But it's actually uh, like a whole load of things where, you know, you're you're exhausted. Um, you, you can't think straight, you know, especially as it gets worse. Because I couldn't see how to get away from him. I didn't want my daughter to grow up in this situation and I went into a very bad depression, like suicidal depression. So I called the police and I told them, look, I'm suicidal and I I need help. So they came and they took me and they committed me to a mental hospital. Hi, I'm Martanelida Ruiz. I'm from Mexico. Hi, my name is Scott. I'm 33 years old. I live in Brooklyn, New York. It's a post-lockdown. I see and hear lots of conversations about profound thoughts, how your life will now change. And I must admit that during lockdown, I have basically eaten, I just eat with abandon. So I made a vegetable Thai curry, this delicious uh, sauce, and the sauce was flying everywhere. I actually washed the top that I wore whilst eating this meal, held it up, and there was splashes, there was sauce down the front. Didn't care. I've been sucking chicken bones, picking up ribs with my hand, finger licking. 
eating with abandon now has to be eliminated i suppose as i do have a date coming up on friday and he has suggested that we have some food so now i have to concentrate on how i eat and not what i eat Hello. It's Leia. I'm so sorry that I'm late calling you. Oh, no, don't worry at all. It's absolutely fine. This next caller, I first spoke to you back at the height of lockdown. We're talking May, when people were still doing Zoom calls for fun. I'm going to call her Angie. And we, we had a family quiz and my husband and I were together on the quiz. And it was really good fun. And we had drinks and things. And we went up to bed and uh, we were in bed and uh, my husband was asleep and my headphones were connecting to his iPhone on Bluetooth um, and I wanted to listen to a book. So I got up and to turn his Bluetooth off. And when I picked up his phone, he kind of woke up and went to grab it off me. Was I'd, I'd never had looked through his phone really. I'd never been suspicious of him. And I said, I'm just turning the Bluetooth off. And he said, oh, okay and sort of lay back down and I immediately then, obviously because I was so suspicious, went into his WhatsApp and saw loads of messages he'd been texting another woman and he then sort of sat up, snatched the phone, deleted all the messages immediately so I couldn't even sort of read them properly and um, and then it all just kind of unravelled then and we sort of started talking about it and you know I found out what was going on and he went and slept in another bedroom and the next morning we sat in the garden and he said, I think we should separate. And then just like that, he was gone, you know, and he hasn't been back. I had a psychiatrist over me because of the depression, which worsened. So he put me on antipsychotics and they released me after the three days with the heavy medication. And I went into some kind of manic stage, which I've never been manic before, and I've never been manic since then. So I think it would be fair to say that it was a reaction to the medications. And I like painted my house from top to bottom, and I just went into a manic stage and I wanted to get away from, from, because I was like stuck in the house with him and I thought that if I robbed a bank that they would shoot me or they would take me, put me in jail and, and take me away from him. And what I was doing is I was telling everybody, everybody I knew, I was telling them I'm robbing banks. And somebody called the police and told them. Hmm. And then they came and picked me up. And what was your sentence? I got nine years and nine months. It's so grim. I mean, we got married two years ago. And we bought up this big four-bed house to have a family in. 
and then this has happened and it's just I mean I just don't know what of what and for you how do you feel like you're doing with the the kind of grieving process of a relationship because do you feel like you're progressing because you've got all this time where you're not having to do stuff or is lockdown meaning that you're feeling stuck I actually think it's 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 I am actually grieving and going through the process more than more than I would be if I was going out into the world uh just having the time to do it and um I see a therapist um on zoom and she said that grief is sort of like falling down stairs you know once you lose somebody you've, you've started to fall and you can choose to sort of tumble down the stairs quickly and it will hurt or you try and grab onto things and grab onto the banister and you know you knock your head and you're trying to stop yourself from falling and you do always fall but it just hurts a lot more and you do yourself a lot more damage and so she's been trying to encourage me to sort of you know just just fall down the stairs feel feel the sadness and you know go through it properly uh, because it will be easier in the long term And when you look forward to the next chapter, when lockdown is lifted, what are you looking forward to? When I think about lockdown being over, the first thing I think about is sitting out in the sun with friends, having a glass of wine and having a laugh, you know, actually just laughing and things feeling light again. At the moment, everything feels so heavy and hard and thick and I'm looking forward to just having really small normal light-hearted conversation you know at the moment every conversation I have people are trying to figure out how I'm doing and it's always you know on, on the phone or on zoom and I just want to be able to just sit in a pub garden with a glass of rosé talking about nothing really with my friends just light-hearted normality it all doesn't seem so dense, you know. Tell me about getting released. What was that like? Ah, uh, and seeing well, your family again. Seeing my daughter. Oh my god, it was. Uh, I don't know. You feel so weird. It's kind of like like an opera or something. Like the emotion is so heightened. Like you just feel like it's not real. Like when you see, like, say you see a band you love or or something, but it's up on stage, it's like far away. Yeah. That was how it felt. It felt like it wasn't real, hmm. that it was like a stage show. But it but it but it was really, really good. But you're like <laughs> afraid it's gonna end at any moment. Yeah. You were released is it ten years ago? Exactly, yeah, about 10 years ago. And that was after being in prison for about 10 years. Yeah, nine years, nine months. And that's a long time to be away from your daughter. What is that? Yeah. How is your relationship now? Well, actually, it's not too great at the moment. It was fine. Um, she lived with me. And I don't know, something's kind of happened. Do you think that she understands any of your reasoning for what was going on with you at that time to be honest i think 
that I felt so guilty and so bad about abandoning her. You know, I think when we did talk about it, I tried to explain to her why, you know, what happened. And uh, I think I should have listened more to what happened, what what she went through. Mm. I really think that is my error. I mean, I'm here, I'm in her life, and, you know, she knows my door's always open. So when she's ready, maybe it'll take her having a child of her own, or I don't know. I don't know. But I would like to be close with her again. Mm-hmm. You know? So, But I'm when she's ready, when she's ready, I'm here. Like I said, it was a long time ago that I first spoke with Angie. So the other day I called her back to see how she's been getting along. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. Long time no speak. I know. When did we speak? I suppose it's probably, what, two months ago? Yeah, about that, I think. Um, well, it's been up and down. My husband came back to me with all his furniture and things. That was really, really bad. So that was, that was a really difficult time. What was it like to see him? Um, very emotional. A lot. We were both very emotional. Lots of tears. Um, we were nice to each other. But we were, yeah, we were both very sort of sad, just devastated, really. Um, I think we still really care about each other. Um, and, you know, neither of us want to be married anymore. But I think that we just both felt like a massive loss, really. And when we last spoke, you said that you were looking forward to having a rosé in the sun. Have you had your rosé? Yes, I have. Um, I actually was out with my brother and his um, fiance and one of our family friends, and we sat in the garden in a in a pub in Islington and uh, ordered a bottle of Cote de Provence, and I enjoyed it greatly with a cigarette. It was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the other episodes in this season of Innermost. I hope you enjoyed hearing from all the strangers about their secret lives. I certainly did. Please continue to get in touch with your stories at innermost at theguardian.com. This episode was produced by me, Leia Green. Music and sound design is by Pascal Wise and Ian Chambers, and the executive producer is Max Anderson. If you're in the UK and worried about the issues raised in this episode, the National Domestic Abuse Helpline can be reached on 0808 2000 247 or by visiting Women's Aid. In the UK and Ireland, the Samaritans can be contacted on 116 123 or by email joe at samaritans.org or .ie for Ireland. Other international helplines can be found at befrienders.org. Take care and talk to you soon. Don't take this the wrong way, but your smartphone is cleverer than you. The clue is in its name. Well, that and a new project to fight COVID-19 that uses the almighty processing power that goes untapped at night. And they're not talking about your brain. Working with Imperial College London, the Vodafone Foundation's Dream Lab app utilises people's mobiles while they sleep to create a virtual supercomputer. 
If they can get 100,000 people to fire up the app nightly for three months, they can analyze potential COVID-19 treatments that would take Imperial supercomputers a year. The more people who take part, the quicker it will be to do the vital research to help fight COVID-19. So show your smartphone who's the real brains of the operation. Turn it into part of the Dream Team, because that's the cleverest decision anyone can make. To download the app, search for Dream Lab in your phone's app store. Legal terms apply. See vodafone.co.uk slash dreamlab. The Vodafone Foundation is a registered charity.